Just a quick warning before we get started. I may have mumbled through some of this. I was reading chat and I was trying to read it fast and I ended up not being coherent at all. On the video, I type it all out so it can be understandable, but on the podcast, it might be a little rambly. Hopefully it still works out for you. I think all the content is still pretty good, uh, but if you're missing some stuff, it's probably because of that. Okay, here's the show. What up? How you doing today? I'm Al Deschino, known online as Christian Ninja. I'm a full-time variety Twitch streamer and online missionary using everything from silly pictures to Bible studies to video games and everything else I can think of to connect with, mentor, love, and serve the online gaming and streaming community, especially the lost, lonely, and disenfranchised who are online every day looking for a positive, open, encouraging, and meaningful online connection. Welcome to XN Shadowed, an audio version of some of the best parts of my weekly streams and YouTube videos. I hope you find this helpful and interesting, and I hope even more that it inspires you to join the discussion sometime during one of my live streams. I hope you have a great day, and here's today's clip. Okay, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a little bit of time and chat through this, and we're gonna talk about uh, Jaden Animation's video. She. We've all sort of followed her career for a while, right? Like, if you if you're into animation at all, or you're into into YouTube at all, you know who Jaden Animations is. If you don't know, she's she is a, I guess a commentary animator you'd call her, where she kind of tells stories, but also usually talks about some subject, right? So like, it's not always her. Uh, about her life it's just her talking about things and she animates it which is fun it's kind of cool however she um she doesn't usually talk about her life she when she grew up story time anime there's the word when she was growing up uh she she had a fairly normal you know life i guess you'd call it but as she moved into animation she was quite a young person i think she she's her first videos were even when she was 17 18. there's been a few videos where she's let some things out uh, and she said things like, you know, like I'm, uh, uh, when I grew up, I was, yeah, I had really bad body image issues. She released a, a, a music video where she actually was talking about, it was really hardcore. It was like, it was like really about depression, mental illness and, and her own struggle with it. And so she's done this a few times where she kind of lets out this very personal thing. I don't, I don't want to, I almost don't want to say this. So my cynical side, uh, says that, you know, like be, she's very good at and odd ones out is good at and, and more and more creators are good at using outrage for clicks using uh whatever's in the news for, that's popular or whatever's in the, to be able to generate the either the rage likes or to generate the you know the 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 popular to get to get on the on the trending kind of thing and right now in the news you know all the stuff with disney where you know they have this uh the you know don't say gay bill which is completely a misnomer but they you know and then disney was like literally actually flip-flopped and decided they were going to add more uh home lgbtq content to their to their movie and and whatnot and then suddenly a day later and again i animation takes a while right so it's, it's obviously this just, just didn't just happen so maybe it's coincidence but uh you know then all of a sudden she's got this video about you know with a big rainbow flag and so like as an animator plus disney plus the news plus you know kind of girl okay but so she comes out with this thing 
and uh, it's it's personally revelatory. So that that's my my question is you know is this is this accurate? Is this is this something that's sort of a pitch for? For, to say, you know, like all the attention you're giving to Disney and all the ways that it's been converted, you know, all you animators and all you artists and whatever, come look at me. I'm popular enough on the internet. She'll get on trending and maybe this will blow up and, you, and I'll get more likes. Maybe. I don't know. She seems like a very genuine person, seems like a very kind person, seems like a very creative, open person. So, like, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt that this is just a coincidence. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. Okay, let's let's give this a little bit of a watch. I'm going to pause it at times. We're just going to talk about some stuff. Okay. We're going to talk, just talk our way through it. I have no, I have not prepped. I have no notes. So I'm just going to start saying things that come to my head. Okay, before you even say anything, let's lay out some ground rules. This is probably going to be the most open I'll ever get about my personal life. I know I've shared tidbits of myself and life through little stories, but when it comes to personal stuff, I'm very private. Especially within the past few years. I'm gonna be talking in very general surface level terms because specific personal details are for me to know and in the nicest way possible, none of your business. Basically, this is something I want to talk about, share, and bring a spotlight to. But at the same time, you get the Cliff Notes version. So no trying to assume or guess anything beyond what I'm sharing within this video. At the end of the day, we're all just strangers refusing to listen to the Stranger Danger rule. All right. All right. So first thing, her style, uh, the the self-deprecating, animating and and jokes and self-deprecating uh, humor and stories is sort of her shtick. Uh, she she is one of those smart, funny, talented, attractive people that is very good at uh, uh, looking and sounding humble because of I'm guessing because of how she was raised and some of the troubles that she's been through. So she's got she's a really good package of an individual that, that that has a lot going on, but also isn't a jerk. Um, but I, I look at that, and and you can hear you uh, the you can hear fear, right? The first thing the first thing that that I think the the instinct is, and and I think I mean I, somebody look up how old she is. I, I think she's probably twenty three. That's my guess based on all that how long I've been watching her and and how old she was when I remember. Anyway, so. She recently moved to California, I think, so that she can be with the other group of animators. She's coming more and more out of her shell. As she moves into California, she moves into into that arena of far more liberal thought. She's 24. Okay, there you go. Uh, I was close. Uh, far more liberal thought. and But at the same time, because she's a public figure, she's been smacked down a few times. She was saying on a video, the interview guy, the very popular interview guy that, that interviews all the all – the, the, the YouTubers, I can't remember what his name is. Anyway, so he was talking about how, you know, how weird it is for her to have pornography of her character being so prevalent on the internet of how she has, you know, she's had her, her stuff stolen or she's had her ideas stolen and, uh, or, or when she was on a panel or something like that, she was publicly embarrassed, but she felt like it was her responsibility because she was so young. So she's, she has been like on this accelerated stream of, of being so popular on the internet and having the internet turn on her. So you can see, you can see how that there's a fear there, but at the same time, the idea of 
there's a bit of foolishness there in that you know she you're going to get judged, right? Putting this out there, she knows, and this is why the caveat she know she knows as soon as she does this, she's going to create a group of people who is super excited about this. While she's on our team, we're going to make her amazing. You know, she's going to be our person, and there are people that are going to turn this into porn, and they're going to uh, destroy, be angry with her. And there's a whole section of of the internet that tries to. Uh, um, take the odd ones out and Jaden has, has been shipping them for literal years. And there's going to be people that are outraged or call her a liar. Like this is the dangerous thing she's doing just to release a, a video about her own opinions, let alone, uh, let her own her own uh, identity, let alone her own sexuality. Like that's, this is, it's a risky thing. It's a dangerous thing. And, and I kind of kudos for her doing it, but at the same time to start with a, with this, this, this introduction of saying, you know, I'm going to tell you a few things, but it's not going to be everything. You know, why? Of course, you're not going to say anything. But to say you're not allowed to look into it and you're not allowed to ask anything else about it and you're not allowed to whatever, that's weird. That's, it's bizarre. It's, 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 I think it's, it might be rose colored glasses again, trying to say like you can actually stop people from being jerks by virtue of asking them not to be. That's not how it works. All right. Formalities aside, Let's get into it. I've come to realize that I'm Arrow Ace, which stands for Aromantic Asexual. And I know what you're That flag is boss, by the way. I, the color scheme of the flag is awesome. You're thinking, that's not gay. What the hell is that? And you know what? That is completely fair because I didn't know what that was either. Aromantic and asexual are two different things, and I'm going to break them down to you separately, starting with aromantic, because no one really knows what that one is. And also, it's my personal favorite. Someone who's... She says here that aromantic is not something that people know about. And that's interesting because the, the reason that people don't know about this or don't know what it is is because they're adding so many terms so quickly. They're creating so many varieties and variations of of human sexuality, human identity, and, and, and all the different ways that people's opinions and preferences matter. And then giving them these official sounding terms. The reason that people don't know what the term aromantic is is because it's probably because it was invented within the last 10 years, you know, aerodynamic, <laughs> I'm aerodynamic. That's funny. <laughs> the, so I was saying when I watched this the first time, I was saying to my, to my kids that we all as human beings love to get the name of the thing that we are. We want to grab onto an identity or we want the name of the disease we have, or we want the title of the job we have. We want a word that summarizes. Like when I, when I first saw the term social anxiety disorder, I went, that feels right. So I went and looked at the, you know, what is it? And like, well, social anxiety disorder is when you have a hard time when you go out in public and you feel really anxious about meeting anybody else ever anywhere at all. And I'm um, like, I'm like that. I have a name. I can call myself that. I'm one of those. And it gives a sense of relief to say there's a tribe out there, the sense of affirmation to say there's a tribe out there that is like me. I'm not alone. My feelings are valid. My feelings aren't weird. I'm not super insanely strange, one in a bazillion. Uh, not only that, but there are people out there that are admitting to it, and therefore I can admit to it. There are people out there that are writing about it, therefore I can get help. There are people out there that are, are grouping about it or talking about it or sections about it that, uh, yo, thank you for the follow. Appreciate that, Dylan. 
that are talking about it that are um, so I can I can uh, affinity with them. Everybody wants affinity. Everybody wants groups. Everybody wants to be affirmed, and everybody likes that name. And that part of part of this, I think, this this moment of revel- revelation for her to be able to say, uh, I finally found a name. Is is good. It's, it's what everybody wants in, in their life is to have that. But at the same time, the danger of of the of having the name is now you start imposing upon yourself what other people have made this brand new definition to be. Right. So, for example, you say, "Okay, I'm I'm well, I don't know, pick a term, whatever. I'm a romantic." Uh, you go and you're like, "Okay, I you know I me I match." eight out of the 15 things. So that's more than half. Maybe that's me, but I'm not exactly that. And then suddenly, because you're aromantic or because you're whatever the term is, uh, the imp- the imposition upon you is to conform to, to be okay with, to allow for things that you might not be right with because you have to align yourself to the term and to the people, to the group. Um, there, it's a good thing to have a name, but at the same time, it's, it can be bad. So, uh, you say, for example, you call yourself a, it's kind of like joining a, uh, a gang or joining a church or joining a, uh, any kind of, of organization that you're like, okay, I joined this club because they think like me and they do things that I enjoy and they, and they, and they, uh, they are in my area and, you know, whatever. But then you discover that this whole section of the club is something you don't agree with, right? They also, you know, hate these kind of people or they, they steal money or they, 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 um, they're very judgmental or they're, they're anti something that you like. And you have a choice at that point. You have, you have a pressure to say, well, I identify with this. I bought the T-shirt. I have the jacket. I have the button that calls me this group. Now I feel pressure to conform to this. And again, pressure to conform when it comes to from external society is not a bad thing. That's what keeps people, that's the reason people aren't crashing their cars all the time is because society has said, we don't want you to speed. The reason that, that people aren't out there stealing each other's, you know, wallets is because we have uh, a law that says you can't do that. You know, the reason that people aren't wandering around, you know, doing some really horrible gross stuff is because there is societal pressure to try to conform and not be a big dumb jerk, right? We've learned that through the through the pandemic that that the the societal pressure of just put your mask on, or the societal pressure of of uh, you know like go get vaxxed, or the societal pressure of uh, you're a horrible person if you you know if you don't if you don't wash your hands or if you whatever. You can see people actually saying, "I will compromise my values, I will compromise my individuality, I'll compromise whatever," because society looks down upon me. Right, and I, so I'm going to change my preferences and my behaviors for the sake of society. It's a good and a bad thing. What I'm saying here is that having the term aromantic or having any term, sexuality or otherwise, is a good thing because it helps you with your identity and helps you to to find that that group. But at the same time, it's also going to be a bad thing because of the implications of it and things that you might think are you have to conform to uh, that may not be a good thing. Um, Rusty says, uh, my roommate and I had a discussion about people removing romance and intimacy from each other in their labels and aromantic and asexual separated, like isn't getting along with someone without being intimately attracted to them, just platonic relationship, romance should lead to intimacy, right? The, and that's, and she says later in the video, she talks about how you can be one or the other or, and without being both. And I'm like, 
those are things that we wouldn't have normally named, right? So you can be sexually attracted to someone, think they're the hottest person in the whole world, be like having the heart flutters and the holy my goodness is because I want to, you know, I want to, they're so physically attractive, but you can think they're horrible and never want to have a conversation with that person, right? You can be like, that person is, is, is toxic and gross and mean and, and evil. Uh, but dang, they sure look hot. You know, that's, I guess that's what they would call a, a sexual, uh, attraction without having the romantic attraction. Well, at the same time, you can have a romantic attraction to someone and go, you know, I want to be with that person. I I'm falling in love with them. I feel a sense of connection to them. I want to be with them all the time. I want to be, I want to be in a, uh, uh, a, a connection to them deep, friendship with them, to be around, to be, you know, to share parts of my life with them that I wouldn't share with anybody else. I just don't have sex with them. Uh, you know, like that. So you have, it, we wouldn't normally have put a term to that. We wouldn't have normally said that's a, a, a romantic, asexual, whatever. We wouldn't have put a term to that. We would have just said they're friends, they're close friends, right? Or, or that's a crush, you know, the, the, it's called a, it's called a crush or it's, uh, you know, the, 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 <laughs> for like a you know the hot crazy scale from from how I met your mother like there we just kind of lumped it into all these things and so they're adding terms to it you kind of go yeah good or bad otherwise uh, I think personally all the that rainbow of relationships especially one that she's talking about none of them are particularly unbiblical or un or un or sinful the idea of saying I'm not particularly attracted to anybody is you. In the church back in the olden days, we used to call that you know the gift of singlehood, right? That that so that if you look at at some spiritual gifts inventories, you'll actually see that people are being uh, that it'll say you know like you're okay with being alone. You could work by you know work by yourself. You don't feel attracted to people. You know you never been you know never been on a date. And if you do that, you have the spiritual gift of singlehood. That's one of the spiritual gifts that you'll see on some inventories. And the idea was to say that God has set you aside in this very specific way so that you can accomplish things that you can't accomplish if you are hampered by children and family and 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 uh, and partner and whatever. Because by you know the way. Paul says it is that the moment you are are married, suddenly you got to give a bunch of your attention to your your spouse. You just you just got it. That's the right thing to do, and you can't give as much attention to serving God, serving the church, doing whatever the mission is. It's you're going to be distracted. Uh, that's not a bad thing. It's not it's not sinful to be a romantic or asexual. That's not a that's not a problem. It's it, the fact that it's got a name. Now, okay. I think the issue is going to come in that in saying, because I now have a name, because I'm aromantic, because I'm asexual, because I have this term and because it now has a flag and because the flag looks like a rainbow, I therefore must have to accept uh, every other part of of the sexual spectrum equally, right? Because I identify with somewhere on the spectrum, uh, I must affirm anybody else who's on the spectrum, and that I think is a dangerous argument, and also wrong. It's like that's like saying because I, I you know, I struggle with this area. Say you know, I I I struggle with. I mean, I don't know, whatever. Um, overeating, right? I must therefore be okay with anybody who has an eating disorder. I don't know. That's a terrible illustra- illustration uh, because it's you know this isn't this isn't a problem, but. Uh, it's, it's sort of the assumptive because it's got a flag and because it's got a, 
uh, a name because it's lumped into all the LGBTQ plus part of things that suddenly like, well, you have to be okay with being gay. You have to be okay with, uh, you know, uh, lesbian relationship. You have to be okay with transgender. You have to be okay with pansexual. You have to be okay with polyamorous. You have to be okay with all these things because you picked the name and the flag. Right. And I think that's where a danger comes in because it's like, I'm a hypocrite if I call myself something that they, that one of their words and then not let them call that. Right. I think that's, what are you guys, what are you guys saying? I'm busy ranting here. Uh, Rusty, that makes sense. I'm interested in, in why they fit this relationship, emotional connection with no intimate desire under romance. <laughs> exactly. I'm in terms, right? Yeah. Uh, because the, the, they, that's not a word that uh, like that. That's one of those things I don't even think it needed a term. But we love term. That's what we do. That's literally science. Science is just naming things. It wouldn't be surprising me if Jesus would fit in the label aromantic asexual. I mean, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's if if he were if you were to say is he in a romantic relationship with any uh, singular female, you know, as in like he has a special relationship with a human female that is seeking towards a committed marital relationship. Well, the answer is not a human individual. He, we're supposed to see that as the church, his bride, the bride of Christ, as in like, he loves us like a husband loves a bride. He sacrifices like a husband loves his bride. He is committed like a husband is committed to his wife. He is, he is uh, seeking the best for, he serves like a husband serves the wife, seeks the best for his wife. That's the relationship we're supposed to uh, be looking at. So, I mean, that, you know, kind of, sort of, and the, uh, the asexual one, kind of, sort of, again, because if, uh, if the idea of sexual intimacy, if the idea of ro like physical intimacy, eros, as the, the New Testament would call it, you know, erotic uh, uh, knowledge is, is if you simplify, boil it down to simply, you know, people that I physically touch with my sexual organ until orgasm, and that's, a, that's er, er, uh, erotic, um, erotic love, then you kind of go, that's pretty... No, you know what I mean? That's not it. Because, But if it's a level of intimacy that you have with only that one person that you will, you don't do with anybody else, that with anybody else, it's shameful. With anybody else, it's it's wrong. But you know that person so deeply on, on such a, a, a connected level that you are, you become one, physically becoming one with that person. And uh, one is inside the other one. And you guys are, able, you, you, it's something that you have with nobody else. Well, then you can kind of go, that is sort of kind of a relationship relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit, uh, in that it's not, uh, an erotic physical sexual, uh, feeling, but it is a level of intimacy that you have with no one else who knows you like no one else, who connects you like no one else, who wants, who, who, uh, wants you like no one else wants you kind of thing. It's, it's sort of, kind of, sort of, it's kind of a weird thing to think about, but you know, um, spiritual gift of singlehood is a gift if it takes that and focuses the relationship with God, but the modern world replaces it with anything else that seems to be understanding them is super critical. That's true. Uh, the idea is, you know, you're, you're, you're freed to serve God in some way. Yeah. Ransom says, anyone ha else have a bad habit of accidentally reading aromantic as aromatic? <laughs> yes. Yes. Ransom says, uh, that just tells me that labels are pointless. Who says Jesus didn't find women attractive? Uh, it wasn't his purpose on earth to pursue romance or marriage, but the same argument, I'm arrow ace, 
but I'm not. I'm just an older single man. Well, that's exactly right. I think, like I said before, labels matter. They're helpful in a certain way, but at the same time, they also come with baggage. And we got to be, as mature people, we have to be recognized that, uh, sorry, as an immature person, you'll grab onto that label and you will conform yourself to it. This is what a teenager will do. This is why um, it's so dangerous when someone is, you know, between the ages of six and, and 17 for them to grab onto that label of, of whether it be trans or bi or, or gay or, uh, for that matter, you know, uh, Pick a, picking their future career, picking their future school, like locking themselves into this identity when their identity is in such flux, because what they'll do is they'll grab onto that identity and be like, well, since I'm an artist or since I am, you know, whatever, I'm going <laughs> to cut off, I'm going to do what the artists do. And I'm going to, going to, going to talk like the artists talk and I'm going to say what the artists say. And, and, and anything different inside of me that's pulling me in a different direction must not be me. It must be society keeping me down. It must be, you know, something wrong. And so I, I'm going to go make myself into this image that I see of this identity I'm trying to find. It's, it's dangerous. And so, it, which is why you have places in the States and you have, you know, Christian uh, organizations that are like, you know what? If someone is age six and they're like, well, I, you know, I'm a, a biological female, but I, I want to be a biological male. You don't take, go start handing that kid testosterone pills because it's dangerous. It's physically, it's physically dangerous. And at the same time, that person's identity is in flux, you know, let them, th that's going to change it. It very, they're going to be a different person in 10 years. So let's not lock them in, in the same way that this kind of thing will lock someone in. Let's keep, let's keep watching just because otherwise we'll, we're a minute in and it's 15 minutes long. Aromantic is defined as a person yeah, who that feels too. very little to no romantic attraction to anyone at all. So like they might not develop crushes on people or feel the need to be in a romantic relationship with anyone. Very general terms, but hopefully you kind of get the gist. If not, here's a little story example from me. Growing up, I never developed crushes on anyone. I remember when I was in fifth grade, kids were talking about their crushes left and right, and it was starting to feel like something I had. Okay, fifth grade. Right, so we talk about fifth grade. So how old are you in fifth grade? Five times six, eleven years old. So she she's a young person, a young a young woman growing up in a secular society, going to a secular school, and so therefore at age eleven, even prepubescent, barely into pu uh, puberty, the the pressure she was feeling was to explore burgeoning sexuality, explore sexuality in a in a way, not because, and again. Not because these 11 year olds are feeling sexually attracted towards someone, but because they are feeling a pressure to either become more like the pornography they're watching. And remember, kids start watching porn at like age 10 or 11 now. Uh, they're addicts by the time they're 13. Or they're trying to become their older brothers and sisters, or they look at every TV show they've ever seen. And they say, uh, they're like, well, this, that's normal. I want to be a big boy now. I want to be a big girl now. I want to move away from the identity that I have from my parents. What's, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to do that through attaching myself, becoming like these other people that I want to see. The celebrities, the, the person on, in the movie, the, the, my big brother, the, the high schooler, whatever. And one of the ways that I know that they're a big, they're a big person, that they're a, a mature person is because they are interested in human sexuality. They talk about it all the time. So, but that imposition, that assumption that you have to be sexual at age 11 doesn't come from the 11 year olds. It doesn't. 
It comes from outside putting pressure on the 11 year olds. Like you think about a, a starlet, how do you know, uh, a starlet, a, a young woman, a young girl has moved from Disney age 17 to age 18 and can now take on adult roles. How do they announce that to the world? What's their, what's their, what do they call that? A cotillion? You know, what's their, what's their public change? Well, they'll go and they'll do a movie where they take off their clothes. They'll go to a, the Met Gala and show up three quarters naked. They will, they will go and they will release a sex, a, a sex video because they're telling the world, I am no longer a child. This is very much what you're seeing here. Jaden looking around going, everybody is going boy crazy or girl crazy. There's a pressure to, at age 11, uh, there's a pressure to start talking about crushes, emotional, physical longings for having sex with other people that are 11 years old or or 12 years old. That is all a mess. That is not from the kids. That is from society, from parents, from porn, from internet, from movies. They're just trying to copy what they see, right? In fact, I, I would argue that at this point, Jaden is more normal at this point than the people around her to experience too just because I, I thought that's just what happens don't make fun of nine-year-old me i was a sheep anyway i decided i needed to have a crush because that's just what happens to people no Jaden, you weren't a sheep that's the whole point you were like you were like no i'm i'm you know like i'm, I'm different and that's weird about me so i guess she's saying you know like i'm going to go become one of these i guess that's the whole point of being a sheep but knowing knowing your identity and not being like everybody else is that's a good thing Especially in in the area of sexual sin or or sexual deviancy, right? The idea of going, I'm going to go do something permanently damaging to my body and my psyche and my future because I feel pressure to do so. Like, ask anybody in chat right now, ask anybody in your church right now, anybody over the age of, I don't know, 15, and ask them your first sexual uh, experience or the sexual experiences you've had over your life, the, especially the very first ones, do you celebrate them? Do you talk about them? Did you enjoy them? Looking back on them now, is it something that you are proud of? Is it uh, is it something that you can say that you would want to happen to others? Do, has it affected you in your current relationship? Has it ha, did it alter you on a fundamental level for how you perceive the opposite sex or perceive the uh, perceived sexuality? And the answer is, oh heck yeah, heck yeah, it did, right? And uh, it's. Uh, this this literally can wreck people. And I very robotically chose this random kid in the class who we can call Pikachu. That's not his name. He didn't mean anything to me and I didn't do anything about this crush. Like, I didn't tell anyone or anything. It was just a headcanon thing for me to feel up to speed and like I was hitting my normal human emotions quota. But it's funny because on Valentine's Day, you know how in elementary school everyone would bring cheesy Walmart Valentine's cards for everyone in the class and then you'd have a box full of candy and hollow emotions from everyone? <laughs> well, my school did that. When I went through my box, I pulled out Pikachu's Valentine and thought to myself, someone who has a crush on someone would keep this. I think. So I put Pikachu... Okay, so I'm, I'm vibing with this hard. Because when I was growing up, uh, I, was, I was just like this. I really was. So like when I was growing up, I went to a, ch a church that didn't have a lot of other teens. There was like one, one other teen and it, it was a girl and, and we didn't, you know, really know each other, or get along that well. We didn't have a youth group, so we didn't hang out. Uh, I, 
uh, when I was growing up, I, because, I don't know, whatever, I wasn't interested in girls. I just wasn't. Age 13, age 14, age 15, I was interested in the computer. I was interested in in uh, Star Trek. I was interested in in not getting beat up anymore at school. And that the for me, the idea of having a girlfriend, I did not care. I When I looked at girls, even at age 17, I graduated high school at age 17 because I'd skipped a grade. And even then, I remember even at prom, I mean, age 17, the day before I'm graduating, I remember, and I, I, like, I did not care whether or not I was with a girl. I did not care if I was whatever. What I did care about was that um, I wanted to be like everyone else, and I wanted someone to like me. I wanted someone to like me. I didn't care who it was. And so I thought the best way to get someone to like me would be like, well, if you have a girlfriend, then that means they have to like you because that's it's like the that's the contract. And so I, I would talk to this, you know, this one girl who I, who I thought I was dating kind of because I, we were friends and, you know, I, we, it was a girl from church and we, we talked to, talked to all the time and I asked her to prom and, you know, she said, yes, she got taken away from me while I was at prom. It's a whole long story. I'm, I'm a very sad individual, but the, the, for me, it wasn't because I was, physically so attracted to her. I wasn't physically so attracted to these girls. It was just because I wanted a friend and I wanted someone to like me and I wanted someone to hang out with. And everybody was talking about, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's what I got to do. I, I don't know. When I went off to college for the first time, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't care about boys and girls. I never looked into whatever. I did not care. The burgeoning sexuality of an 18-year-old Al was not, you know, this ravenous sexual beast. I, I was not. Like what she's talking about here where, where you had to robotically kind of think, kind of think, okay, what do normal people do <laughs> in this situation? And you're just trying to like, okay, what did I see in the movie? What would, what would Captain Kirk do? What did I read in that book one time? What have I seen, you know, what, uh, you know, the, what do I see other teenagers do? Okay. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, you know, I'll feel that way because I'll choose it. That this is literally what I was like. It wasn't until I got to second year of, of my post-secondary in the first year of college of Bible college, where I was, where I was like, uh, and I, I had this moment with, with God really kind of connecting to him. And, and I've told you guys that story in the past. So I'm not going to tell it again. It was only after that that I started to uh, to think about real females in the idea of I want to be with a female girl because I think they're they're they they are really pretty and they smell nice and I want to be with them and and I want I want one to like me because I want to be with a girl not just someone to like me but I like girls that was that was really like age eighteen uh, for me and it was a. Uh, uh, I was like married within seven months. So that's how that kind of worked. The, when I was in high school, I dated a guy for a year, but looking back, it was more like a glorified, a glorified guy friend. I had no interest in doing anything close to him. It was strange. And my friend, I didn't understand why I didn't want to kiss him or something. Yeah. I, and the, yeah, I, I know the same thing. You know, my parents said, you know, every now and then, you know, do you have a girl or do you, or are you interested in anybody kind of thing? Or somebody would ask me, you know, like, who's, who's your crush or who, who do you think is hot in school? And I'd be like, I don't know. And you just pick whoever you think is the most popular person. <laughs> it's just, oh, definitely uh, uh, Tammy. Yeah, for sure, Tammy. Definitely Tammy, right? And everybody goes, yeah, Tammy. And I go, yeah, I picked right. Yay. 
<laughs> and that's to me, it's probably more normal. Normal. That at age when when you're when puberty kicks in, uh, that that all those feelings start to happen and it gets all confusing and stuff, and that's where society's pressure and stuff starts to steer you in the wrong direction. But I think that's normal. I just think that that I know for me, I think I'm an outlier in the similar way that Jaden is here. Pikachu's copy paste Batman Valentine in my drawer and promptly forgot about it because it meant nothing to me. But hey, that's just what I thought I was supposed to do. Man. I'm so good at this. Then like a year or so later when my mom was going through my room, she pulled out the card and was like, why do you have this? And I was like, honestly, I have no idea. Years passed, I entered junior high and thought to myself, all right, this is the time where people start developing crushes and then do something about it. Like get into relationships or something. <laughs> so I was like preparing to be interested in people. On the first day of school, I scoped out the room to see if they're I'm going to go back for just right there, right there. That this is such an interesting, interesting picture to me because it really resonates with the way I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, okay, how does this work? What do human, what do you, like, I, I feel like an alien so often when it comes to those kind of things. And I look around and I'm like, what do humans do? You know, well, humans like to hold hands and humans like to, to, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> kiss each other and humans like that you know like it, such such very very me right here even to this day uh there because i think because of all the the misery and the the mess and the abuse and the emotional trauma i've got going on there are often times where i can't trust my own feelings and i can't trust my own my own instincts and therefore i have to go okay what does the bible say and what does uh, what does society say and what do normal people do and what would be the right decision here that if if I was healthy and not a mental mess, what should I be doing? And I have to process through, you know, with this kind of thing, you know, the, to be able to figure out what that is. Maybe that's bad, but that's just how I roll. Didn't people. On the first day of school, I scoped out the room to see if there was anyone that I thought looked like someone I could develop a crush on. And this was when classes started being divided up into periods, so there were like six batches of people I sifted through. But no one caught my eye, and I thought, man, unlucky. Went through the whole school year, next year old around, classes changed, I did the same potentials crush scoping again, and the same thing ha happened. I wasn't drawn to anyone at all. Man. Unlucky again! Every year I thought something would change, especially going into high school when people started actually hitting puberty and were getting conventionally attractive. But my entire <laughs> school life grades kindergarten to senior year, which I'm pretty sure is like 13 years, I wasn't interested in a single person throughout any of it. And what's funny was I was thinking, man, what's the deal? Why is no one attractive? And I went to a big high school. There were like three and a half thousand students there. Yes. Uh, and you know, you were just talking about this. Uh, you know how you 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 resonate with this, Rusty. In the same way, I I felt the not the why isn't anybody attractive because that's obviously a joke. But what's wrong with me, right? Why why aren't I getting you know why aren't I getting mushy gushy or stupid or doing dumb stuff? And as a Christian, you impose Christianity, uh, the whole Christian identity. I was, my dad was saved when I was six. I've been going to the church for my entire life, and the idea of trying to remain sexually pure. And I want, you know, dating is for a purpose. It's not just for, you know, for entertainment. People are in entertainment, it, you know, that's the idea. And uh, what does that mean? And then, you know, going old school Baptist where you've got, you know, lots of talk about how Satan's everywhere in the world's dangerous and rock music is going to melt your soul. 
And you kind of go, okay. And then that adds a whole new level of baggage to looking around, kind of going like, okay, am I, I don't really find anybody attractive, but is that because I'm too afraid because God's going to hate me? And and if I do find somebody attractive and they're not a Christian, I'm not allowed to date them anyway. So maybe I just shouldn't, shouldn't bother uh, finding anybody attractive. But what if I, <laughs> what if I do and what if I don't and what's wrong with me? And like, that's a lot to process and to process alone because you know, I, I'm not going to tell my brother about this. I'm not going to tell my parents about this. I'm not going to tell my pastor about this. I'm not going to tell my youth pastor about this. This is all because it's so personal and so confusing. I wouldn't know how to talk about it anyway. This is, it's, you're basically trying to process this stuff alone, trying to copy people around you. And like she said, you look around, you're like, everybody else is doing it. I apparently need to do. Surely I am not the outlier in this formula. Why are none of you attractive? By the time I was going to college, I really felt like I had to find someone. It felt like I was falling behind the curve, or if I was going to find someone, it was going to have to happen now. I made a lot of new friends, and that's... The curve. I, I, I know I keep pausing, but the curve. Whose curve? Whose who's curve? This is this is the thing that I'm that I keep trying to tell my kids and I tell everybody else. You are a unique creature. You're you're you are not just um you're not just one of many one of many cookie cutter people who are designed and must all hit the same metrics, right? Yeah, sure. There's certain things like, you know, when you're a baby, you're con- when you have baby, you're constantly like, well, if they don't walk by age this and they, then they're going to be a problem. If they're not chewing by this, they're not gaining, you know, whatever. And they're not walking, blah. you know, you're always like, okay, what is the date and what is the time and how many weeks and why are they behind? But, but when it comes to developing yourself, your personality, developing your character, developing who you are, this idea of, of taking everyone else's, plan and everybody else's, uh, the way they live their life and trying to follow it is super dangerous and dumb because what you'll do is you'll be like, okay, so everyone else has chosen their career. Everybody in the entire world, all they keep asking me since I was in kindergarten is what are you going to be when you grow up? And I, I'm, you know, age 11, age, uh, grade 11, grade 12. I don't know. I, there's something wrong with me. I better pick something and it better be, you know, it better be something good or important or, or something that I'm going to make money with because otherwise people are going to look at me and they're going to think I'm weird or I'm lazy or I'm stupid. And therefore I ha- I feel this pressure to like pick a major, pick a university. And th- how many people do you know that are currently or have been through university and or through college or through post-secondary and have no desire to be there, no desire to be taking what they're taking, spend tens of thousands of dollars to get either a degree or to start a degree that they never wanted. And the only reason they picked was because they were told that they're, if they don't catch the, the line, if they're not living like everybody else, then they're behind, they're dumb, they're lazy, they're, they're wasting their life. That is not how it works. I strongly believe that when God designed, puts people on earth, that he has a destiny for them and that other people, that there is certain ways that we're supposed to be conforming, you know, conform to Christ, conform to, 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 to whatever is the best model for life. Then don't go out there and you can't just follow your own feelings all the time. You got to, there's certain rules, but at the same time to be able to go, you know, I must be like everyone else is super dangerous. DSW, in some instances, lack of attraction to anyone is a matter of hormones, especially women, testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone levels there. That's true, too. That's true, too. That There is a physiological part of this, too. Uh, she low-key called everyone ugly. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, that's... 
and maybe you're just not attracted to those kind of people. Like it's, it's, it's really funny when, when you're, you finally do find that person you're attracted to and it's, it's different than conventional attraction. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, what are you into? Oh man, have you seen, <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but you know, to find that, 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 the, the unconventional attractiveness that you, that that's what gets you going. You kind of go, okay, well, all right. You, there's, it takes all kinds kind of thing. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's hard with parents who are constantly pressuring me to get married and have kids. That's another thing, right? That I've I've said this before when it comes to my kids. I'm not raising a career, I'm raising character. If if you have you have a choice between two kinds of kids, right? You got this kid who is um worldly successful, rich, famous, they're a doctor and a lawyer. And they are uh, 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 known. They're they're always on circuits, but they're they're on their third marriage, and it's currently in the middle of a divorce. They're under investigation for cheating and for uh, for for lying on their their taxes. They are uh, they've been under arrest multiple times for for you know drug use. They have uh, been known to be someone who wants to do horrible things to children, but is holding back on it, you know, but they keep talking about how that should be legal. You kind of go, okay, there's that person, but they're rich, they're famous, they're wealthy, and they've got a really good job, right? Or you got this side and they are, they work at a gas station, you know, part-time and they work at the the, the donut shop part-time. They're just making ends meet, but they love their kids and they love their parents. They take care of their community. They volunteer all the time. They're known to be generous and joyful and loving and kind. They'll give you the shirt off their back and they are, uh, they're constantly seeking ways that they can, they can serve and love more people. They are, they're, they're a positive influence. They're a good mentor. They take care of, of people that are, you know, or on the street or people that, that are, they, they adopt, you know, which one do you want? Which kid do you want, right? Because if you're raising the career, then you're going to say, I couldn't care less about their character. I want a career. Go be a doctor. But if you're like, if you say, okay, but I'm raising for character, you say, well, I don't care what you do. I care that you are becoming who God created you to be and you're serving in such a way that uh, that God is pleased with you and, and the people around you find you to be, uh, to, 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 that you have a good reputation. And if you're doing that as, you know, a gas station attendant, so be it because I want you to be of good character. It's so dumb when you take somebody and say, you have to go get married and have kids because if, what if they do? What if, what if, what if they go find somebody that's wrong for them, abusive, miserable, they go and they have children with this person and they're miserable and the kids are miserable and and everybody's miserable uh, because you pressured them into it because, because they weren't being normal. That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. All right, keep going here. When I thought I developed my first genuine crush, long story short, in hindsight, no, it wasn't a crush and I was just wrong. I just met someone who I thought was cool and funny and had a really strong desire to be close to them. But looking back, knowing what I do now, it wasn't in a romantic way. I realized I can get very excited and tunnel vision on people I think are really cool or interesting and kind of obsess over getting to know them or just want to spend a lot of time with them. But whenever I got into those tunnel vision moments, if I sat down and asked myself if I actually wanted to be in a relationship with them and hold hands or cuddle or kiss. This is such a 
a bipolar definition of relationships. That's an, that's another issue we were talking about labeling before. The idea that you there are only two kinds of relationships. There's the kind where you are are you don't touch each other and you are but you can you can be friends but not too good of friends and the kind where you uh, must touch each other because you have achieved some level of of relationship closeness or whatever that uh, that requires that. That it's such a a strange thing because it's the idea, well, because I feel a sense of of drawing towards that person and because my love language is touch, I want to hug that person and I want to hold their hand, uh, they, I must want to go have sex with them. Or uh, I, I see this person and I, I'm attracted to them. Uh, rather, no, I want to be their friend, and but our friendship is growing really, really close, and I, I feel like I, you know, I want, I want to give them a bro hug, or I want to give them a, you know, I want to uh, declare, you just tell them, you know, I really, I, I value you so much, I think I love you, but I don't want to, but because I'm so worried that I must have to want that must mean I'm gay or that must mean I'm going to cheat on, on somebody or that must mean whatever. I have to have sex with them. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pull away from the friendship, not have that level of friendship, not have that level of commitment, not tell that person I care about them deeply because it the implication is I need to go have sex. And that is such a, a bizarre thing because it just says that, there, that uh, the, uh, the human relationships must also equal doing it. Because that's the natural progression of everything. And that's such a mess for our society because it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. You can love someone and not want to have sex with them. You can hold hands with someone. You can you can walk down the street and, you know, have meals with people and whatever and not have to be sexually intimate with them. Come on. Baptist dating wouldn't allow any touching until marriage, so it may be well as aromantic and again that's i don't think that that's quite right either like if you look at the uh at the way that i was raised especially you know because i was raised in the the baptist church i was raised with the idea of uh a boy and a girl can't go anywhere near each other you know one bible length don't be alone together don't do anything because you know obviously hormones are going to get out of the the way you're going to immediately going to conceive a child it'll be you know within seconds and the I don't think that's that's quite right and quite fair. Yes, of course there needs to be decorum, and yes, there needs to be care. You need to be careful and whatever. But the idea of treating the opposite sex as though they are on fire, as though they're dangerous, as though they are are um, all temptresses, or they're they're all tempters, or they're all out of control, or they're all you know the assumption is every boy wants to have sex all the time. Every girl is a is a temptress who's just going to try to get into your pants. All of that is horrible. That's just it's it divides the sex the sexes rather than unites them. It's not a way to protecting. Uh, it's a way of of causing irreparable harm to to people who are going to look at the opposite sex or uh, for that matter, look at say a, even a guy looking at, a, at another guy who's either effeminate or, or interested in more personal care than most other guys or isn't interested in baseball or seems to, is a really huggy dude or whatever is to say that, you know, it's to say that person is dangerous. That person is bad. That person is obviously, you know, uh, someone to be avoided because of their proclivity towards, um, talking different or, or, or wanting to, to give more hugs or be physically 
physically connected because that's how they express their love. It's all dangerous. Yeah. I mean, and I suppose you, you got a good point there, Quiz King, the idea of, of, the, of uh, if the reason that you've got all these sexually frustrated youth group kids that go out and just blow their brains out with uh, sin as soon as they're released is, is because of that reason, right? Yeah. The answer was not really, but if they wanted to, I could go along with it. Which I do not think is right. <laughs> in my very old flirting video, which I refuse to rewatch, I think at one point in it, I said something along the lines of, if you're interested in someone, but they just want to be friends, I don't understand why some people can't deal with that. And that was primarily because... That's not bad advice, though. I'm 25 and I still don't really find anyone attractive, nothing against anyone. There's not a truth. That's okay. That's the thing. What we're talking about is how you shouldn't feel guilty for that. Is not you shouldn't be guilty. You shouldn't feel weird. Uh, the uh, that's not that's not bad. It's okay. And if someone because the natural but the natural thing is that you're going to hear it when you come to churches. It'll happen to you. It'll happen to you. You're you're you need to you need to be ready for it because you're going to all of a sudden find some girl. Maybe you won't, and you're going to think you're weird because of it. Uh, maybe you've just been designed to be single, to take care of your family, to take care of yourself, to take care of your church, and to serve in a unique fashion. And that's okay that you don't have to be. So you're not weird uh, just because you don't want to go out as a 25-year-old man and do it with anybody. That's fine. You know, nothing wrong with that. It's the old problem that relates to the word love and being in love to sex. Exactly. That's a very good point. This video shows that how deeply confused the world is on terms like love and relationship is depressing and fascinating at the same time. It You're absolutely right. And very, very extreme thoughts, right? The idea of of, of human sexuality, it needs to be completely without bounds and anybody can do anything all the time as long as there's permission. And the other side of it, of the absolute repression of, <laughs> of everything. Nobody should go anywhere near anybody anytime and, and everything needs to be, you know, behind closed doors, uh, you know, with the, with the lights off and only, you know, uh, only for procreation. Like the, everything in between is it, it, such, it's such a mess. That's why we're supposed to be getting it from, from scripture. The guy who invented the human body and soul. As I didn't realize there was an emotional difference between a crush or falling in love and just being really good friends with someone. So, oops, sorry for the bad take, I think. I really just thought having a crush on someone was wanting to be their number one best friend. Look, I said don't make fun of me. To me, it used to feel like if I was wanting to become friends with someone to that high of a degree, that would be the next step or justify why I wanted to put this much time, effort, and energy into one person. And it didn't feel right or even fair going through all of this with someone. And Isn't that sad? You can hear, you can hear the, uh, the, societal, the societal judgment through her voice. She, she's so scared what people think of being weird of that, you know, of why isn't she following through on the pressure to fulfill other people's sexual desires that they want from her? Shouldn't, shouldn't I want to do that? Shouldn't I have to do that? Or, you know, like you can, you can hear such fear in her voice and, and through her growing up. And so much of that is because of like Ever Killian said, the messed up definition of human sexuality that we have, that's not only unbiblical, but, is uh, it's it's not even um, it it's not like we've improved upon it, right? It's unbiblical, but it's also un it's unhealthy. It's un it's destructive to the human soul. 
and then tell them they're just a friend. I don't know, it just didn't feel like it made sense, even though I really didn't technically see them in a romantic way. I just didn't understand what was going on really, or that there was supposed to be real emotions instead of a logical understanding of, of steps. Real emotions, that's an interesting term, right? There has to be real emotions. She just said, I like this person. I want to be around them all the time. They're, num they're my number one person. I, um, they, they have romantic feelings for me. They care, they care about me in the same kind of way, but they have a physical desire towards me. And, um, I don't currently have those emotions. There's, there's an interesting thing there. So as a young unmarried person, uh, for her to, for her to say, you know what, because it's unfair for me, I'm not, I'm not sexually attracted to that person. I'm not going to lead them on. I'm not going to you know, compromise myself and be, uh, be, uh, be sexual with them when I don't feel it, when I don't feel like it. That's a good thing. It's, it's, it's good personal boundaries. It's a, it's good honesty. It's not going to, you're not, you're not going to try not to wreck a relationship at the same time. You're not trying to harm yourself. But, but I will say this later in life, if you're married, if you are committed to someone, if you are, you know, building a relationship with someone that's leading towards marriage or, or, or after you're married, the if the idea of there will be times where just because you don't feel like being romantic, and whether that's human sexuality or or being or kissing or or holding hands or connecting to that person in a in a more personal, intimate way, sharing your heart, sharing your feelings, crying before that person, whatever it is, just because you don't feel like it, doesn't mean you shouldn't try to make yourself do it as a, as a sense of obedience, respect for that person. And because you can't trust your own heart sometimes. So for example, you'll have a husband or that, uh, and for whatever reason, whether they're addicted to porn or whether they are just tired or whether because they get old or because they eat too much salt or because they, you know, they, uh, uh, what they're exhausted all the time. They don't feel like romancing their, their wife. They, they just, they, She's there. She can't leave. She's got a ring and a contract. Uh, so take her for granted, you know, like f do, do nothing. Don't chase her. Don't talk to her. Don't, don't ask her, her hopes and dreams anymore. Just, just take her for granted. Sometimes you have to choose to do the romantic, choose to be obedient in the way of saying, I will, even though I don't feel like it, act like a lover to, to this person, act like I'm trying to woo them and, the feelings come after it in the same way that, you know, say a woman in the same way, because they're busy, because they're tired, because they're distracted, because they're whatever, you know, does the same thing towards the guy. Sometimes in that relationship, you have to go, even though, though I don't feel like it because I love the person, because I want to be obedient to God, because it's important, because I'm not going to allow my feelings to rule my decisions. I'm going to do these romantic things anyway. And I think in the same way it works for, for friendships, right? Not in the romantic way, but to say that if I want this friendship to keep going, even though I don't feel like talking on the phone tonight, even though I don't feel like uh, buying that person a, a gift, even though I don't feel like whatever whatever the thing is with you with, with you and your friend, I'm going to do it anyway to maintain, to put the work into that friendship to say this person is valuable. Yeah, they probably know. Yeah, they... they uh, um, they're, they're my friend. They're not going to take off on me, but because I want to maintain that relationship, because I want that person to know the value, because I know in myself that if I leave it to whenever I feel like it, that person's going to drift out of my life and I, I may never see them again. And I'm going to be like, why didn't I just put a little time into calling that person? You know, it's because you didn't 
you you allowed your feelings to dictate your actions as opposed to uh, choosing your actions in obedience and making the feelings come come after. Sometimes you sometimes it goes the other way. Uh, so this is this is I would say appropriate for a young unmarried person, uh, but not so much for everybody. Uh, that in in different forms of relationship or not necessarily with, with romance. And the fact that I was under the assumption that I was supposed to be interested in people in a romantic way didn't help with anything. I always preferred to say good friends, but never felt like I could have that. And I worried that if I said no, that we would just start drifting apart, which I obviously didn't want either. It's been a very long journey discovering this about myself. Everything I'm saying has all been extremely subconscious and not understood or defined for many years. I even used to think I was bi or pan for the longest time because I would think to myself, well, bi is being interested in both genders. I don't really care for either, but zero is equal to zero, so I guess I'm bi or pan. I got math involved. If I knew what aromanticism was when I was growing up, things would have been a lot less complicated for me a lot sooner. I think it's mainly... I'm going to pause here just to say this. The assumption that she's making right now is this is who she is and this is who she'll be forever. She found her tag, she's found her label, and she this is this is her now. This is Jaden Animations for the rest of her life is gonna be this. This is my flag, I'm gonna wear it for the rest of my life. Um that's not true either. As you as you grow and as you mature, as you learn more about yourself and as you develop uh and to the point of, you know, the the hormone thing, to the point of the lifestyle thing, to the point of where you're at in in your decision-making and in your maturity and in your knowledge and blah, blah, blah. All these things are often in flux. That's why one of the things that we talk, that they talk about in, in the LGBTQ plus, uh, arena, I don't know what term, whatever, is, uh, the, the idea of being gender fluid or being fluid with your sexuality. That's sort of, kind of, sort of, because what, what that means is that nobody is one thing all the time, exactly all the, every, every day. Like the, the, there is a time where you feel attraction and a time when you don't feel attraction. There is a time where you are more interested in relationship and more interested in romance and less interested in romance. There is a time where you are, you are, you're seeking out, you know, business relationships and, and, and seeking out you know, more professional stuff. And there's time where you, you just want friends and you couldn't care less about business. Like there, there is a flux there. There is a, uh, a, a mobility within in an individual and depending on their age and depending on their station of life, that's going to change too. Like she's saying, you know, I am this and she's declaring it to the world and putting it onto a video. Go back in five years, go back in 10 years, go back in 15 years. Jaden could very well have a different video. She's just like she did where she said, back when I made my dating video, I thought this, and now I don't think that anymore. If she goes forward and then she has a different experiences and, and encounters different people, and maybe she has a religious, religious experience connecting to God, or she has a, a personal crisis of some kind that, that causes her to reevaluate all kinds of stuff, or she ends up in some kind of situation that, that forces her to reevaluate, she may discover and kind of go, Actually, that label that I announced to the whole planet, put a flag on, and uh, and told everybody I was isn't quite right either, because of things I've learned about myself. So the date, the again, like I said at the very beginning, labels are helpful, but at the same time they can also be very uh, distracting, destructive, 
and can lead you towards uh, compromising yourself in ways that you never never would. So for her, to, I would, you know, it's Jaden. I just do what she wants. But, you know, it would be, I think, more appropriate to say right now how I feel, right now based on what I understand about myself, right now in the place that I'm in with the relationships I have and the, the feelings I feel, I feel like this is is where I'm at right now. And I think that's okay. You, you, it leaves room for growth and change and whatnot. And it doesn't say, unfortunately, in this world today, because what will happen is you'll declare this thing. And because the tribe, that tribe, the LGBTQ tribe or the, the you know, bi-pan tribe or the, the asexual tribe grabs onto you, the moment you try to leave that tribe or you say, actually, I don't think I'm quite that anymore, they demonize you, right? They that acceptance you felt before of grabbing that label and becoming part of them now evaporates and suddenly you're like, well, how dare you? And all of a sudden you become an enemy and, and you, you are a betrayer and it, and it, the pressure to stay in can be, can be very real. The pressure to compromise yourself and not pursue these new feelings, this new identity, this new thing that's created being created inside of you because you're afraid of what your, your chosen group is going to do is very real. So it'd be better if, she was more, you know, where I'm at right now, today, as I, as I, you know. Mainly because people don't really talk about it or even know what it is or that it's real. Romance and love is the number one most talked about topic on the planet. Everything I've been taught or learned through society is that love and romance is everywhere. Everyone feels it and it's gonna happen to you. Just a funny little note, there was a point where I was listening to some generic romance song on the radio. You know, like all of them. And I just suddenly thought to myself, wait. Do people, Do people actually, actually feel, feel these, these things, things towards, towards each other? Like, like all these mushy lyrics are real emotions? They're, they're not, not joking? joking. That's when I started feeling like something was different. <laughs> okay, so just just to hold on there is to say, no, actually, they don't feel this way. No, they don't. The, 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 there's an immaturity there and a, a lack of, of I guess, um, nuance to say to look at that to look at listen to that song and think that is that's real accurate feelings or to look at a rom, a rom-com and go this is just how people operate they meet each other for the first time and they're willing to give up their entire marriage and family and run away or or this is how it works where people walk into a room they look at each other's eyes and immediately go have sex in the bathroom that's normal or people who uh, they get into one fight they freak out they scream at each other and they never see each other again or it's normal for popular people to like other popular people or, or, you know, handsome people to, to, to only hang out with handsome people, whatever. Like that's normal. That's just how it is. And the music, uh, you know, where people are, you know, declaring their intense emotional infatuation with this person to the, to the point of it, you know, you are my everything. You are my all. You are, you are, you know, if you were to live, to go anywhere, I would die. I would literally melt, turn into, to goo. I would, you know, you, I, I'd rather eat broken glass than do anything. I, you know, I would, I would, to be with you, I'd do anything, you know, like, no, that is not how people feel. That is legitimately, uh, exaggeration for the effect that is uh, an encapsulation, a condensation, a a a, a, a um, extreme, you know, extreme uh, thing in order to create a song that's impact. It's sort of like when you go to McDonald's and you have fries or you have a food burger there. The flavors are super intense. 
because like there's tons of salt and tons of sugar and tons of tons of fat and you, and you take that bite and it's like like all of your little brain chemicals go off because it's super intense and then you go home and you have your normal food and you're like this is bland this isn't nearly as good uh, but that's what normal food tastes like it's not cranked up to 11 it's not artificially you know infused with all sorts of strange peculiar things that make you sick so no. Jaden, that is not how people feel all the time. You're not weird for not feeling that way because they don't feel that way either. They're selling an emotion. Jillian, too much BS about sexuality from Satan in the world, folks are absolutely there. Absolutely there. That's actually one of one of my the re, one of my hearts, one of the reason I exist is is to try to help untie people's knots in that way. I, I honestly believe that I've been through so much misery and difficulty and grew up the way I did, so I can sit and chat with people that are all tied up in knots. I never rushed to the airport to get the girl. I guess I'm asexual. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a good line. Uh, Jaden's diatribe reminds me of Mr. Data trying to understand human relationships, but I'm entirely uh, not entirely convinced she's as much of an outsider as she implies. I and that's that's the danger is when you look at someone like this and they finally declare. They're like, Oh, I think I figured myself out. And you look at them and you go, No, you didn't. <laughs> You know, and you go, <laughs> that, that is dangerous. I totally know what you mean, Ransom, is that idea of, you know, like, because she is also, um, she, she's also trying to convey in a humorous way to summarize, to use humor and to use stories in order to tell a very brief story about a very complicated topic to kind of go, yeah, I don't think that's quite what you mean. It probably isn't because, because she, she's not writing a book. But at the same time, I think one of the things that we can do with the people like this uh, or people like me or people like you is to say, you know what? If that's what you say, how you feel, that's how you feel. And I'm going to, uh, we'll go, we'll start there. You know what I mean? But yeah, I agree with you because by the nature of the beast here, trying to be a comedic tale that she obviously, she's going to be exaggerative in one way and leave other information out the other way. And for that matter, like I said, as soon as you pick the, the label, you're going to be like, okay, these are the things I'm allowed to say and these are the things I'm not allowed to say. Otherwise, I'm outside the label. Shall we continue? I approached romance under the blanket term thought of, sure, why not? And didn't recognize it was actually a, a feeling, which might sound stupid, but look, I don't know. No one presented me with any other options. I did a lot of rationalizing. If someone ever expressed romantic interest in me, I would mentally make a kind of logical list of their pros and cons and the pros and cons of what a relationship would look like with them based on what I knew about them as a person. I didn't realize there was- That's not weird. That's not a bad thing, okay? We'll start with that. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> you know? You should do that. You should be like, yeah. What's the deal there? What is the, what is, are they a good person? Are they, you know, that's a good thing. But she's about to say, I didn't realize I was supposed to also go mushy gushy there. And again, I don't think, I don't think that's always the case. Can you be in a relationship with someone and choose to be in a, in a, uh, a dating relationship with someone, even though you don't have the mushy gushies? Uh, clueless what the mushy gushies are? I, and that's what I'm saying, right? Who really knows what the mushy gushies are? What level of mushy gushy are you supposed to be? How how do you know that you've achieved the correct level of mushy gushy to create a, a proper relationship? I don't know. That's the thing. And can you could you be in a dating relationship with someone even though you don't have the mushy gushies? I think the answer is yes. I think that there is a way 
and a reason, especially considering that for a long time and in other places of the world, even now, you have something called arranged marriages, right? So in an arranged marriage, you don't meet the person and fall in love and get all the mushy gushies and then sweep each other off our feet and then go get married. You just, you show up and like, Hey, this is who you're going to be married to now. And because of your commitment to the, to the, uh, to marriage, because of your commitment to your family, because of your commitment to each other, because your willingness to, to compromise and grow together, you, you come together and you develop a relationship, a unique relationship with each other that is, is marriage, that is unique, that is special, but it doesn't have to look like everybody else's. What if, what if you, you just really care about that person. You you love that person. You think that they're great. You work together. You are super compatible. You enjoy each other's company. You enjoy each other's sense of humor. You like being around that person there, and you and uh, spending the rest of your life with them sounds cool. But you don't have the mushy gushies at the level you think you have. Is that? Are you going to give it up? Or like you're just going to forget it? Then I'm not going to be dating that person. I'm going to commit myself to that person. Why not? Why not? You know? I'd imagine at my age, dating relationship would be mostly mushy-gushy free. I don't know, man. Uh, I don't, and I, get, I don't know that either because uh, the male sexual, uh, uh, I guess what you'd call interest, uh, it doesn't really go down that much, right? Like the, it's not, it, because it's it's very, very, different for men than it is for women. Like we still are, if you're a heterosexual male that has, you know, romantic relationships or sexual uh, interest in, in women, it doesn't go down that much. Uh, maybe your your energy level goes down. Maybe your your willingness to put up with crap goes down. Maybe your, you know, your interest in what kind of woman you want or what what they look like is different. Uh, but it's not, you know, it doesn't just disappear. I, I'm sure there, that, that, the uh, the mushy gushies are possible at any age. That's uh, I will I will go down on that and uh, like I will I I will say I think that's true. Now I'm only forty, whatever, and uh, so I, I know for me the mushy gushies are still possible, and I don't I don't see them stopping anytime soon. I've had people. I went to a, a, a men's group once, and they said that very thing. They said, "Oh, don't worry. When you get older, you won't you won't care at all about sexuality about sex." And I'm like, "That's really horrible." <laughs> like really you're gonna get a point where you just you just you know that's not that you don't care anymore like that's that sounds that sounds like a mess but again i'm not 75 but i've met lots of 75 year olds who still feel the mushy gushies for their wife of 60 years and that's it it's but different it's I, I that's what i'm saying i don't think it's i don't think it's gone i just think it's different supposed to be an extra like excited feeling or the fact that you're not supposed to think about it as if it were a business exchange. That, I understand compatibility is a huge important variable when it comes to sharing a relationship with someone but at the end of the day it's still apparently still a very emotionally driven thing and I literally had to make that discovery and teach it to my no, again, I'm going to say this again. No, it is not primarily emotional. Relationships are not primarily emotional. Your your initial attraction, maybe, it is overwhelmingly emotional. But your decision to go into a committed relationship, your decision as to whether or not they're healthy for you, how, you, how much you're going to do physically with that person, how far you're going to go, uh, what age you're going to be, decide to date, what age you're going to get you know, engaged, whether or not you're going to, you know, 
whatever, whatever, whatever. All these things are just this picture now with the, you do the pie graph, you do the chart, you think about it. If you are purely driven by your emotions in all arenas of, of your relationship, you are going to be a very miserable creature. Because not only are is your emotions going to wane and wax and change and be more or less, but they're not going to line up with the other person's. So there you are, you're all whatever, and the other person's the opposite. Or you're hot, they're cold. You're excited, they're not. Therefore, you're, you're going to be continuously living in, a, in an area of frustration and, and, and anxiety because you think that whatever your feelings are, that must be what you must act on. You don't have to do that. So much of relationship is an act of will, is a choice, and it and, uh, uh, is logically put through your brain. I know that that goes counter to what society says, but the truth is that you really do need to think about that stuff and you're stupid if you don't. Uh, this, this not a bad thing. Like the, her whole, you know, you have, it has to be primarily because that's the word she used primarily, right? She said, I literally had to make that decision. Where is it here? Hold on back up. Relationship with someone, but at the end of the day, it's still apparently still a very emotionally driven thing. Maybe she didn't say primarily. It's still a very emotionally driven thing. It's not. It's not always. And that that being the 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 purely that that being the thing that rules your life in any decision making process, whether it be relationships or your job or your future or your church or your or how you react to any kind of situation. If you're if you're like, well, I'm primarily going to trust my emotions, you are going to be a very very miserable creature. Very miserable creature. And I literally had to make that discovery and teach it to myself. Now, I'm going to talk about being asexual very... Uh, Rusty, that's a lot of food for thought. I was always under the impression that romantic relationships were very emotionally driven as someone who's never been in a real romantic relationship before. And that's... yeah, And it is. It is a strange thing to consider that that when you are in a relationship with someone, the heart thump, 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 thump stuff doesn't drive the process because it... That's the way it works in movies. That's the way it works in porn. That's the way it works in uh, romantic novels. That's the way it works in fast forwarding any TV show, right? To be able to kind of go, okay, how do you know this person in this episode, 23 episode, minute episode is interested? Well, the the mushy gushies happen or the, the sexual, sexual sex happens or whatever. That The, the out of control emotions driving the, the process is not how it's supposed to be. It's not the right way to do things. If you do that, imagine if you go the other way, right? Imagine if you go the other way. What if it's every time you have a feeling uh, a, a, away from this person you're committed to, you have to follow it because that must be true love. You're just going to go from miserable relationship to miserable relationship. I think feelings are part of it. But I also think that feelings are incredibly deceptive and feelings are very fickle and you can change your feelings with medicine. You can change your feelings with chocolate. You can change your feelings by being too hungry. You can change your feelings by, by working too hard. And if, say, if you had a very, very uh, hard day, you meet that, meet whoever, and you don't feel that way, your romantic feelings aren't there, your emotional whatever, whatever isn't there. Then if you just kind of go, well, that must be how I feel that I must act on that. You're going to ruin a relationship. However, if you say, because of my decision, because of my willingness to connect with this person, because of my commitment, I will act this way. I will act a certain way. You, you are going to be able to stay in much more better relationships. Briefly, and I'm going to preface it with 
Let's all just be mature about this, alright? We're all pretending to be adults here. I've got my eye on some of you. Behave! Okay, this is definitely treading into uncomfortable personal boundary territory for me, but yeah, I do want to share that I'm asexual too, which is defined as someone who feels little to no intimate attraction to anyone. Look, I know we said we're all adults, but I'm still gonna dance around the vocabulary, alright? Yes, there's a difference between romantic and intimate attraction. Little side note, I will say you can experience romantic attraction to someone, but no intimate attraction. Or you can experience intimate attraction, but no romantic attraction. I just want to pause for a second to say, she's speaking like an expert. And I think that's so dangerous. Because there are young people from the age of, you know, nine or whatever that are watching this cartoon that she normally puts out cartoons for children and they're watching this and they are they are seeing this as a, a TED talk about how attraction works and how human sexuality works and how it normally works, blah, blah, blah. Yo, Rickenheimer, good to see you. Welcome. Thanks for being here. And she she shouldn't be so definitive, especially as a young person, and especially with all this stuff being so new to her and so new to uh, sort of how society labels stuff, there should be a lot more humility, I think, in, in how she presents this. You can be one and not the other. It's not necessarily a package deal. Most people feel both, and I do not feel either. Anyway, I have never... You hear that? You hear that? Most people feel both, and I do not feel either. Neither one of those is, is true. <laughs> neither one of those is true. Most people feel both is not true. You're not, no, but not everybody is all that all the time. And everybody is in the middle somewhere. Uh, the people who, who feel that crashing out the uh, opposite side, those are, those people are, are sick. Those people have a problem. Uh, the, for her, she says she feels nothing. I don't think anybody feels nothing. You know what I mean? Like, like absolutely nothing that the, the uh, that can't be right either. I, I'm not saying she definitely, like, she defines herself as asexual and she doesn't really have uh, sexual feelings towards anybody. But I, but the idea of, of presenting it to a young person or presenting it to the people and saying it equals total flat line of physical emotion or any kind of, of emotion towards any other human being. That I don't think that that's quite right either. You know what I'm saying? I, it's, that sounds wrong. I don't feel her feelings and I can't feel her feelings, but the way that she's describing it as an absolute definitely sounds, sounds wrong. I've been magnetically attracted to the look or shape of a single person in my entire life and did not realize it was a real thing until very recently. I'm able to identify when someone looks conventionally attractive, like by textbook definition, but I never realized people are genuinely drawn to people they think are attractive. I didn't know that people could just see someone and be like, wow, they're gorgeous. I would love to get to know that person or maybe go on a date with them or whatever else you people do. I didn't think it was real. I thought people were exaggerating or something. I don't know. And I also couldn't believe that some people feel that with multiple people. Or like celebrities, which sounds absolutely exhausting. It ties back to when I was in school, like looking around for people to like. It makes sense now that no one caught my eye because that. See, again, this is, a. I feel like 
she's talking very much about how normal is when it comes to society. It's normal to be, to be, to feel so attracted to celebrities. It's normal to have multiple crushes. It's normal to be wild about your emotions with multiple people. It's normal to be driven towards somebody, uh, and to, uh, you know, the, that's not necessarily true. Like, yes, I think it is traditionally normal that a boy or a girl can see another boy or a girl and go, I find that person attractive and therefore I want to whatever. Yeah, that's what happens. That's, that's how it happens normally. Uh, but at the same time, I think the, that the way she's presenting it is such a, uh, an extreme model as told by society. This is how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be all over the map. You're supposed to be falling in love with everybody on the planet. You're supposed to be, you know, out of control with your attraction is, I think that's, that's wrong. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's how society is. I don't think that's how people are. And, and that's also true dissonance. You say that it makes the assumption that attraction is based off looks. And that's not always true either. Like, the you could look at someone and be not indifferent, but be like, okay, there's there's a human being that's not too bad, uh, but you're attracted to their kindness, to their to their um, their inner beauty, to their to their intelligence, to their wit, to their sense of humor. I mean, if you look at at some of these comedians like David Spade or or what's his name there, the the new the the guy that's currently dating Kim Kardashian, right? Uh, these are not good-looking dudes. <laughs> Traditionally, they're not. They're not George Clooney. What do they have going for them? They are. They are wealthy, dedicated, intelligent men who have a who have a very good sense of humor. And that these women that they've dated are some of the most beautiful in the entire planet, and they're picking these these very normal-looking dudes. Because they are funny and intelligent and and committed and uh, you know like yeah, you know what I'm saying yeah, based on character exactly. They're not key. I think I think in our society right now, because we are the the McDonald's microwave society of absolute extremity, absolute speed. The the we are so used to in our consumption of media going. Ugly equals evil or, or the traditionally whatever you want, you know, like the, whatever level of attraction is, which is what, like supposedly straight hair, um, straight long hair, and then, you know, curves with large breasts and, uh, um, a small waist or athletic and, and pouty lips and whatever, right? And then, for, you know, for the guy, it's that, you know, the, the strong, the delts, the, the big, the big triangle shoulders, you know, uh, pecs, the, the, the professional, nice looking, whatever it is, right. I was saying that, that we have this idea that media can fast forward to say, this is the pretty girl and this is the homely girl. They can take a pretty girl in Hollywood right now and they can say, okay, we're going to make you, we're going to use the shorthand for not attractive by putting you in overalls and glasses. Right now, uh, and putting your hair into a messy ponytail. Now suddenly you you're the you're the average looking girl, and all we have to do is take out the ponytail, fluff your hair up, and uh, put you in a in a different dress, and suddenly you're the hot girl. It's the way our 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 media fast forwards how we're to believe people's personalities are uh, through looks, and I think that has caused us to to go and say, well, 
that must be true. Therefore, I will judge people by the outside because that gives me a very important clue about what's going on on the inside. Because the way that the stories that I watch are, they say, this is, I can tell based on how they look or, or the way they hold their face or what kind of suit they're wearing or whatever, they're good guy, bad guy. I think that, I mean, that's just a theory, but I think it, it has a lot to do with the media consumption for sure. Additionally, people we spend a lot of time with and we get used to, we perceive as good looking or beautiful. That's true too. That's true too. Marketing has really skewed society's view of what is beautiful and who we should be attracted to. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. Marketing, yeah, and, and beautiful has changed, right? If you look at, at beauty from the perspective of the Renaissance, you got these bigger girls, Right, the they're they're, they're voluptuous and and very curvy, and then you go you go to fast forward to the nineteen sixties seventies, you've got extremely skinny, you know, skeletal girls that are that are the the most attractive, and then you move on into the to the eighties and nineties, and you've got more either Pamela Anderson curvaceous stuff, or you've got or you've got the burgeoning athletic, you know, woman who is who's like. Uh, uh, Xena warrior princess or like, like really, you know, tough looking, tough looking chicks that, that are, they got the abs and they got the, you know, the, the, the defined muscles kind of thing. Like, and that depending on who's popular and depending on what, what's the best movie right now and depending on whatever, whatever society goes, Oh, that's what I'm supposed to be attracted to. Right. That's, <laughs> that must, that must be what pretty is now. Cause if you are physically attracted to anything off of that, then you must be weird. Now you have to go search for what level of the rainbow you're on and kind of go, I must be a deviant because I'm not like what the movies or the TV shows or the ads say I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Doesn't happen to me. I was just wasting my time for 13 years. I feel like such a fool. Now, there's an easy assumption to make about asexual people and that they all have zero interest in being intimate with anyone at all, which actually isn't true. Some of them are genuinely turned off by it, and some aren't. Some reasons would be that they <laughs> This is This is the part where I get really frustrated because you're taking a term and you're grabbing a term and you're putting the term to it. The asexual, words matter. The forming of words matter. The term a is the, help me out here, Latin uh, uh, thing, word, pre, pre, precursor, pre, preface, pre, thing you put at the beginning of a word to say no, right? It is not this, atheist, doesn't believe in God. Yeah, non, Greek, okay, there you go. You know, the, uh, the, the whole point of putting the A there is, is not now. <laughs> thank you. I know I'm dumb. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay. The, the thoughts are still coming out slowly. Uh, but the whole, that whole thing where she just said the word asexual can mean some sexuality and some not sexuality and some okay with it and some not okay with it is to show not only is it. Um, not only is this a, the term is becoming fluid, but it's not well-defined. Her understanding of it is not well-defined. If she's looking at Wikipedia articles, you're starting to read this thing. It is based on the perspective from people who are seeking to define fluidity and, and put words to, to a, what they consider to be a fluid thing, as in like they are, they don't want to nail down and say asexual doesn't feel that's the term because otherwise they'd have to come up with a different term for someone who doesn't care one way or the other, but is kind of okay with it sometimes. I don't really have a word for that. You know, it's, it's, 
I don't, this, this is very unhelpful and I think it's dangerous and damaging for someone to, to grab onto a word like this and to be like, it could mean this and it could mean this and it could mean this because that allows you to, allows someone who is struggling with their identity, struggling with their personal perspective of their human sexuality to get the wrong idea about themselves because they're grabbing onto this term. Well, not only doesn't like to stick to definitions ukulele worship, likes to to uh, to take the same word and define it in different ways, uh, to to just flip flip the script, man. Like it's just it's bizarre to me how how very different how how this word asexual could mean also like sex <laughs> sometimes by it and some aren't some reasons would be that they just don't mind it or they want to make their partner happy or enjoy the emotional closeness of it there's a million different reasons <laughs> right come on that's that's human sexuality like listen to what she says again some are genuinely turned off by it, and some aren't. Some reasons would be that they just don't mind it, or they want to make their partner happy, or enjoy the emotional closeness of it. So we're talking about the actual act of sex, is what she's saying, some people. But the, the they really like pleasing their partner. They really like the closeness it gets it gets them. Uh, they you know they 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 enjoy the process and the results of it. That's not asexual. It's not. Right? It's it's starting to fall apart. And and I, I get that this is a young woman seeking to define for herself things that she's learning about herself and in, in a society that in a target that keeps moving and changing as defined by people on the internet that aren't uh, authorities and aren't uh, necessarily psychiatrists or, or human sexuality experts or whatever, and even them, you know, whatever their uh, agenda is. So yeah, I get it that she's doing her best, but at the same time, this is dangerous and unhelpful because it's, it's disintegrating her own, please respect my, you know, what I have on, I've had this, this self-discovery and this is what I am because suddenly what you am can be a, she's about to say a million things. Yeah, it sounds like a loving relationship, right? Uh, if, if what she's talking about right now is that, you know, not everybody achieves sexual fulfillment every time they do it, like, okay, yeah, that's just called being human, right? That's, that's just the way it is. Not everybody is randy like crazy and wants to go do it all the time. Sometimes you do it because the other person wants to, and I'm talking in context of marriage. Sometimes I do it because the other person wants to. Sometimes you don't feel like it. Sometimes you feel like it. Sometimes you don't. Like, that's just normal. That's just normal. And what she's talking about trying to label this thing with with asexuality is really a misrepresentation of what even even marital sex or, or sex uh, is designed for. There's a million different reasons and a million different people. Am I sharing what kind of a people I am? Nope. And you don't know me personally enough in the slightest to be able to try and parasocially analyze where I stand on that spectrum. I'm just here to say I am this. We are moving on. When I stumbled onto the term Arrow Ace and started... Then why? Then why do that, Jaden? Why make the video? And I'm not saying you got to dump your truck on the internet every time you, you come up with anything. But if you're going to say, you know, I am asexual, what does asexual mean? A, a million things could be one of a million things and I am one of them. Then you didn't say anything.
You you haven't said anything. The uh, like you, the logical thing to do with this is to say, you know, I think I might be asexual, and on the on the 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 I guess the spectrum of asexuality that I have decided to believe in. Uh, I have a proclivity towards because this is my identity. Accept me. That's the whole beginning of the of the thing, right? This is who I am. You have to accept me. You, you can't. You know, we're not going to judge anybody. Anybody who judges me or anybody else who's coming out like this is an evil person. But then, in her own definition, in her own video of saying this is who I am, and, and you have to accept me, she pulls back and says, "This definition could be anybody. It could mean anything. I'm not telling you who I am. I'm somewhere on the spectrum, uh, but I'm not saying anything." Then why bring it up? Right? Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not actually saying what what she did. That's what I'm saying. Then why bring it up? Like, if you just stop the video at, "I'm a romantic." Cool. I, th I think you defined that well enough and you, you explained it well enough to let us understand your feelings about that. But what you just did was you, you, you've said nothing. You've, you've, you've opposed your own opinion and watered down your own, uh, your own definition. Realizing I fall into that category, it helped me feel much more confident and sure of myself. I've read a lot about how people say they felt broken or that something was wrong with them. But honestly, I was the complete opposite. Coming from my very biased perspective, I think Arrow Ace is one of, if not the coolest and most... Um, Sis Pineapple says, uh, she sounds like a very confused person who's trying to convince equally confused fan base not to be confused. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. This is someone who is, and again, she's a YouTuber who is not a human sexuality expert, who's just giving her own personal opinion and is a uh, an artist that is using it, that wants to talk about this subject. And so you got to cut her some slack and you got to say, this is, this is her perspective at this age with that skill level that she has, the intelligence that she has, the, the knowledge that she has, she's doing her best. Fine. Super cool. And, and good on you for, for letting this out there. Uh, the fact that she's, she's coming at it from a, she's starting to confuse her own self and confuse her own argument, uh, they, there's an old phrase with, with preachers that is uh, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. And the idea is if you haven't chewed through this and you don't understand what you're talking about and you can't answer your own basic questions about this, you are not only going to make so everybody doesn't understand, you're going to be doing damage. In fact, they're going to be, they're going to be worse off because you didn't uh, think this through properly. And she's talking about a really serious subject. And this is where people right now, this is probably the biggest subject in North America, is what, where are you in the, in the, in the realm of human sexuality and on the spectrum? And people are going to watch this video and they're going to use it as their template for themselves, right? Confident orientations out there. Not needing a single gram of romantic or intimate validation from anyone is so cool. All you need is yourself to be happy, maybe friends and family too. And birds. The more I came to, she's she's not wrong about that. I totally got on board with that. That having being secure in yourself and it leads you to a place where you are able to make good decisions and you're able to do things uh, properly. If you are constantly trying to identify yourself by someone else, if you are trying to fill a gap within yourself with another person, if you don't have a good sense of your own personal identity and you're building your identity around someone else, you are uh, you. There's a good chance if you choose wrong or or something happened, you can be manipulated that things go really sideways because you, you're, 
you're not you and you're not trying to connect with God to find out who he created you to be. You're just trying to become something that someone else has said. Uh, or for that matter, you are, um, you're always going to be changing yourself and always being in a state of anxiety because you're not, you aren't who you think you are. And who am I this week? And who am I depending on who I'm around? It's very, very bad. So yes, I totally agree with her that, it, that having a, a personal understanding of who you are and a self-confidence is important. But I will say this. Uh, young people these days are being told, uh, don't get married until you know who you are. Don't get married until you, um, until you're financially successful, until you've finished school, until you've, you know, gotten yourself to the place where you're totally self-sufficient. You wouldn't need a person. You don't need anybody. Then go out there and see if you can find a partner. That I don't think is right. Because the way that we're designed as people is to be interconnected, interdependent upon each other. Specifically speaking of, let's say, heterosexual uh, relationships, human relationships, uh, traditionally speaking, a man does need a woman, a woman does need a man, and they together can accomplish far more together than they can apart. So if you're the kind of person who is supposed to be married, and again, we're pushing aside the, you know, the, the single people and all the rest of that stuff for, for this part of the conversation, is to say, if you are, say, 19 years old and you, you've been dating this girl for a while or dating this guy for a while, you feel like you've got, you, you got a future, you've been praying about it, your church affirms, your parents like it, blah, blah, all the good things, to say we won't get married for five more years, or for you to say, I'm not even going to go looking for a female for five more years, or we're going to break up after high school so I can go out and discover myself and whatever. And then in five years, we'll see what happens because then I'll be, you know, financially better off and I'll know who I am and blah. I think that's wrong. I think it's such a joy. It's a wonder. It's a good thing to connect with someone when you're young, to marry when you're young, and to grow together as people. Because in that, remember, in a biblical sense, in a Christian sense, you're committed. You're committed to each other. You are you are bonded together uh, by a covenant, and therefore you have to work it out. You got to figure it out. Figure yourself out. Learn how to be humble. Because then you got someone who will take care of you, someone who will help you with your temptations, somebody who will, you know, call you on your crap, somebody who will help you financially, someone who will who will fill in the gaps of your 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 mistaken personality issues, right? You you will have someone to grow with and you together will be better off than if you were to try to do it yourself and to become Re fully realized on your own and because once you're fully realized on your own you're just going to become two individuals who are seeing how they can uh, either use one another or try to fit together two things that have already been completed it's uh i i yes at the same time and no at the same time if you know what i mean terms with the fact i'm arrowace the more empowered and capable i felt but at the same time, I was also starting to feel more alone and isolated. As cool and amazing and unique and awesome as I think it is, it can be really hard for other people to relate to or even understand. Everyone else and their orientations are able to bond and relate to the love and romance aspects, and we're over here like, we don't do that. I don't even know if I'm explaining it very well. It kind of... So I think her point there is pretty good. Uh, that and this is exactly what we've been saying the whole time about uh, definitions and uh, and finding your tribe. But the the what she's talking about is people who define themselves by their sexuality, right? People who define themselves by their sexuality, you feel like you can't connect with them. That's 
those people whose primary identity is in their in their sexuality are not um they're they're not healthy people that's not how you should be primarily defining yourself your your singular most important identity should not be your sexuality and if you are like that is the only thing that's the, the most valuable thing about me. That's what I talk about all the time. That's what my priorities are. That's where my money goes to. That's where my energies goes to. That's where, that's what I'm looking for all the time. That's where I'm, uh, I feel the best if I'm, if that's what's happening. I feel the worst if it's not. If that's sexuality, boy, are you ever going to be an unhappy person. And for that matter, you're going to be a very shallow person, a very shallow person. Your identity cannot be your sexuality. That is like a, thing you do <laughs> that's that's a thing you do but it's not it can't be your identity and so if Jaden if you're thinking you know what I I feel distant from these people I feel different from the people be thankful because it means you're a fir- you are a much more mature individual who's more secure with herself than looking at these people who define themselves only by whatever letter of the alphabet they find themselves on that on that spe- sexual spectrum that's that's unhealthy it does go against everything everyone's ever been taught about anything. Romance is taught Not to everyone. be a basic assumed emotion, which I do think is a bit misleading. A common argument used against the Aeroace orientation is that romance and intimacy is what makes someone human. But I mean, I don't know, lots of birds mate for life, which is a better ratio than people. And all animals get frisky. You know, that's just how they became not extinct. It's not an exclusive to humans thing. If I were to guess, I would assume the thing that makes someone human is basic empathy. Like, I'm not an emotionalist monster. I can... Well, that's something. I mean, the idea of, of you know, like, she's really rambling at this point. Like, she, she, I honestly, she's, she's grasping at things that she cannot, she isn't comprehending well. And because she's not grasping it and she's not, comp- she's not speaking well about whatever she's talking about. I have no idea what she's talking about. Uh, but the idea of humans being defined by, by a singular thing that defines humans, uh, makes someone human is empathy. It's, cats are empathetic. Dogs are empathetic. Dogs are, have been proven to have empathy. Monkeys have empathy. You know, like the, <laughs> if you, if you're sad, your dog's going to come over and put his head on your, put it, you know, like, are you sad? I'll be sad with you. Like that's, nope, <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> Good try though, but again, non-Christian, not a philosopher, not a uh, not a theologian, just a young woman trying to do her best. So we're gonna uh, cut her some slack. Still love people. I love my family and my pets, just platonically. And I would hope that you're the same. I just don't experience romantic love, which I don't know. I don't think that's harming anyone. Definitely not me. I'm having the time of my life. I don't think you need to be in a relationship to be happy. And if you don't want to be just on your own, I think there's many types of people in relationships that push the boundaries of what a conventional relationship looks like. Telling someone that they need to be in a romantic relationship to be happy and fulfilled is weird. And then when that person says they're not happy, they're told relationships take a lot of work and that's just how She's got a really good point here. I, I remember hearing this uh, when I was watching it yesterday, and that is a really good point. Uh, Rickenheimer says, under that definition, she's not human either because she struggles to understand and share the feelings of others who have a different sexuality. And that's, I mean, yeah, basic human empathy. That's true. It's a really good point. Uh, sociopaths are human, unfortunately. 
<laughs> the 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 society thing where where she's talking about here. I mean, I'll play it again just because I, I interrupted it a little bit, but I'm gonna play it again. Relationship to be happy and fulfilled is weird. And then when that person says they're not happy, they're told relationships take a lot of work, and that's just how it goes. And that's all. That see exactly, and I think her her experience is the experience of a lot of college aged people, youth uh, youth in the ch in the Christian church. I think what she just said happens all the time because every time a youth comes in, they're going to be taught about human sexuality and talk about sexuality, talk about sexuality, and the assumption is that everyone's going to start dating and everyone's going to be together and everybody blah, blah, blah. And the the college and career aged is often in too many churches designed to be like literally meant to be where you find your spouse. You'll have been told you, you know, if you want to find your spouse, go to church and join a, a college and career group because that's where you're going to find a, a, someone to, to date. If the church is designed for discipleship and the church is meant to be a place for Worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreaches, and serving your serving uh, the community and telling people about Jesus. Uh, then that isn't doesn't primarily make it a place uh, that is designed to be a romantic location. It's not meant to be where you discover your spouse. Like, yeah, okay, it can happen, but if that's the motivator, if the, the reason that you're having this the college and career group or reason you're having youth group is to teach kids how to date, how not to date, to make hook up college and career kids so that they'll go get married, then yeah, this is what's going to happen because they're going to be like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do because it's what God tells us to do. It's because what this is what all the people that are old and Christian are telling me to do is I'm supposed to be forming myself into this and that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And there's nothing to do with discipleship or Bible study or or personal development or spiritual gifts or seeking out your mission and purpose. It just all of a sudden becomes all about whether or not you're going to get married. And then when they say, I'm not interested in that, I'm here to be discipled. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to study. Teach me how to, how to serve. Teach me how to, how to discover my spiritual gift. Where do I fit in the grand scheme? Because when I die, there won't be marriage. Why and why would I spend so much of my discipleship time learning how to be learning, trying to do something I don't, I'm not interested in disciple me. They go, nah, you just, you got to put some work into it. You'll, you'll get, you know, and that is, that's wrong. Like, honestly, uh, it's also weird. I don't know. I also think it's weird that once someone reaches a certain age, people inherently start thinking it's sad. They're not in a romantic relationship. True. Or assume they're lonely and sad. No one thinks a child is sad and lonely just because they're not in a long-term relationship. That's stupid, because you're talking about puberty. Okay, dum-dum. <laughs> like, maybe this was a joke, and it's just told in a in a dry way, but the reason that people start talking about human sexuality at age 14 is because you are developing into an adult, and you're, you are able to now uh, reproduce. That's why that happens. <laughs> Babies don't do that, doy. I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. And, and I also think I'm rambling. At the end of the day, it's all very complicated to talk about these things, especially because I don't know the feelings I'm supposed to be feeling, let alone talk about. I just know for me, the terms aromantic and asexual are able to articulate things I was subconsciously feeling and thinking before I even realized I was feeling and thinking them. I don't plan yep. on talking about this very much, if at all, ever again. I just want to play my silly little video games, maybe tell a story here or there. But I wanted to bring the orientations to the surface and try to get more representation out. 
I don't think she's being honest there. And the reason I say that is because I've been watching a lot of her videos. Uh, and as she's grown, more and more of her videos are becoming very mature in their subjects and very, uh, um, I guess you'd say, I don't want to say preachy, but like um, declarative of important cultural things that are happening right now. I don't, I her her channel being about, you know, silly stories from when I was six or, or you know, what happened when I was in, in, in camp is that's been moving and it's been shifting. Same thing's been happening to Odd Ones Out and a lot of these uh, uh, YouTubers, animators after the big, you know, kids versus no kids thing and then they had to choose a side whether or not they were for adults or for children. A lot of them are now are shifting towards more mature subjects. Unfortunately, the people who are watching them are still children and they are, they haven't been told, hey, listen, this is, I'm, my, my audience is my age. I'm speaking to people who are in their 20s, not to 10 to 15 year olds, right? Uh, she, for her as a, a 23, 24 year old to say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I see. You also, who is in their 20s, who has lived this long and has felt this pressure from society, let us have this conversation. Totally appropriate, right? Like, okay, let's do it. This is what, this is what are the, the medium of art, especially YouTube is for. But she's, she's definitely talking to a lot more children. And, and I think that's going to be, they don't recognize that she's processing these things or, 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 and, and won't, won't be able to think about them in a, in a nuanced way. They're because children don't do nuance. Out there because I thought if I could help more people become more aware of this, then that would be awesome. I was confused as hell for a while and could have used something like this. It's a real thing. You don't have to feel any sort of romance or whatever to be considered a real person. That's good. Personally, yep. I think it's really cool and badass. And don't be afraid to look more into aromanticism or asexualism if any of what I said in this video resonated with you to any degree. This, what she just said is dangerous. To to say go Google these terms and go on a a wick, uh, you know fall down a wiki hole on these things or look for you know look on the internet for whatever you feel is right and wrong about about these uh, terms that's super dumb it's super dangerous because you're just going to go with the things that you already think are right. Or you're gonna you're gonna be like, oh, I, I want to look at these websites, and then some doctor, you know, so actually knows what they're talking about, or some socio sociologist is gonna be like, okay, here's the actual thing, and you're gonna be like, I don't like that because that that feels judgmental, that feels wrong, that's not affirming everything I'm that I'm thinking, feeling. I'm gonna go over to this, you know, blog because the blog is telling me what I want to hear. This that's dangerous. Like what she should say is go talk to authorities in your life, people who have a flying clue about this stuff. Go talk to your your psychiatrist. Go talk to your counselor. Go talk to your your pastor. Go talk to your, I don't know, your parents. Go, you know, don't sit around with your peers and on Google and try to develop your identity doing that. It's just, it's not going to end well. Like I said, this is all very surface level stuff. They're both much larger spectrums than you'd think, and maybe you fall under some umbrella category with them. I don't know, or not. Either way, this has all been my personal experience with this stuff. Is there more for me to figure out within it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is. It can get pretty complicated and confusing. Haha, <laughs> awesome. Will I be sharing any of that with you? Nope, no way, this is all you get. Hope you can understand even just a little of what I talked about. And if not, that's totally fine. 
I just hope you can be nice. Thanks for listening. I never... Interesting. I didn't see uh, much representation of uh, heterosexuality. Uh, just a, just as a side note, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back through the through the video. Even when they were showing couples, it was never blue red, blue pink, right? Did that even ever happen? Like it was just everything was a, a, a color of the rainbow except for uh, traditional heterosexuality. Yeah, just just a, just an observation. I really intended on making this video because I haven't really felt a strong urge to like. I, I don't like using this phrase for myself, but but come out. But I, I did end up wanting to make the video to make people more aware of this stuff because I think it's important and someone has to. There's not really that many people doing it right now. <laughs> anyway, yeah. That's a good point. And I think two of those two of those things are very brave. One is, you know, I, I haven't quite got this all figured out and even though I know I might get in trouble and, and put a put a bullet or put a a bullseye on myself or whatever. I'm going to come out because I know the pain that I've been through and the frustration, the confusion I've been through. And I want to have this discussion. I want to start the discussion. I looked around, nobody else is having it. I'll take the bullet. Right. And to be able to, and throughout the, the time of her saying, I'm not sure, I don't know, maybe, maybe not kind of thing is to try to declare it with a little bit of, of humility. It's just that the, uh, uh, for her, if this is the first conversation that people have, then I guess that's good. That's positive. Well done. Uh, but this could be where people, and I know I know my kids and I know everybody else, they'll watch one video and just assume the rest themselves, which becomes very dangerous. Yeah, just moving forward, I guess. See you later. All right, there you go. That was that. Was that. <laughs> I'm hoping that it was at least an uh, interesting to listen to, or at least at the very least got, got us thinking. I'd, I'd love to hear some of your comments sort of back about wh whether or not, A, what did you think about the, the video and the reaction? And I saw your comments all the way through, so you probably don't have anything extra. Or B, is this something you're interested in that you want me to do more uh, to find other videos and kind of work my way through them in this way? Is that interesting to you? And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you love gamers and streamers and online content creators, or you have a heart for the lonely, lost, and broken people who are untouchable by traditional ministries, but they spend so much time online looking for hope, help, and connection, and you want to help me keep bringing the love of God to them full time, it would be amazing if you'd support me on Patreon. Your support is what allows me to serve this unique people group on the forefront of global missions. If you want to check out my books and other content, Look at my website at artofthechristianninja.com. And of course, I live stream on Twitch Monday to Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'd love to see you there. We do some serious stuff. We do some silly stuff and a little bit of everything in between. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. And I really do hope to see you on the live stream soon. Bye.